Hello and welcome to the Unnamed Automotive Podcast. My name is Sammy Hajj Assad, and with me, as always, is my good friend and fellow automotive journalist, Benjamin Hunting. Say hi to the people, Ben. Greetings, human listeners. Greetings to everyone. If this is the first time you're listening to our podcast, thank you for trying something new. I'll just reiterate, Ben and I are a pair of automotive journalists, and we are pretty good friends. Um, I'll ask Ben to plug a couple of his recent publications that he's written for, um, as well as another plug that he's got going on. Ben, go for it. Uh, you can find my work at Motor Trend, at Driving Line, at Inside Hook, and I'm also on the verge of launching the Kickstarter campaign for the full comic book series I've been working on over the last couple of years. You can find it at www.code-45.com. The preview page is up now, and it actually launches June 1st on Tuesday, so that's just a couple days after this podcast goes live. It's about Vanessa, who is a subway driver who has started hearing these rumors that there are dragons that live in the tunnels beneath Montreal city streets and the night shift that she works with is terrified of going to work so they all end up self-medicating and they can't tell whether what they're seeing is hallucinations brought on by their drug use or something that's actually there that they should be really afraid of anyway she falls into this situation and has to figure out what's real what's not and how it relates to a family secret from her own past it's www.code-45.com. We've already fully funded the first three issues, but we're offering all five now in advance of coming out in retail through Scout Comics later this year. And we'll offer individual issues, a whole bunch of cool swag, and a com- compiled 120-page graphic novel format. Very cool. You don't want to miss that. Make sure you head to code-45.com uh, to support Ben and his comic book. And if you if you love uh, dragons, if you love raves, and if <laughs> if you love uh, terrible drug hallucinations, I guess this is the this is the story for you. But it it all comes together in uh, what I hope is an unexpected and entertaining way. Very cool. I usually use this time to plug uh, some of the publications I write for as well. Um, you can find my work at Autotrader.ca as well as Nouveau Magazine and Driving.ca and TechSpot. Um, and additionally, before we get started, I'd like to give a shout out to our Kofi subscribers. Uh, that's, uh, I have James. I want to say thank you to James and Steve. Thank you guys. I appreciate that. Now let's get started with some cars, Ben. What do you think? Sounds good to me. Uh, there's one that I drove last week that I, it kind of made an impression and it kind of didn't at the same time which is an unusual way to start any type of review of a vehicle. But that was the 2021 Polestar 2, Sammy. Very nice. I want to hear more about this Polestar 2 because I've driven it only briefly. I think for uh, like 24 hours like to the, to the minute um, was the way they gave me that loan. So I want to know, you had it for the whole week, right? I had it for four days. Uh, oh, and, days. but I did get to, that's nice because you get to drive it doing your normal everyday stuff. It's not like you don't have the Polestar person sitting beside you watching you for that full 24 hour period. Like I know happened with you. That must've been very stressful. Right. Uh, they had to come home with me for all that whole 24 hours. I had to, uh, host them and make sure that they were well fed. It was kind of like having a Tamagotchi with me the entire time and making sure that they they i had to clean up after them too it was quite it was quite intense (laughs) but you like having someone watch you sleep you find it peaceful yeah it also disturbed me that they didn't want to sleep um they just they just they're like i'm i have to make sure that you're doing safe things and with the car and outside of the car uh they just watched me the entire time no but in reality they didn't have they didn't send a chaperone although that would have been that would have been fun that would have been welcome it would have been a nice social element to add to to all of this. Just to have someone show an interest in your life would have been nice, I think. 
That's right. But I will say, I think the Polestar, I, in my short period of time, I was left with a, a somewhat positive impression of the Polestar. And I don't know how that would feel if, if I had extended time with the, with the vehicle. It felt like, a, like, a, like an interesting novelty, and I don't know how that would have felt dealing with it day to day. So what I liked about the Polestar, there's a couple of things like right off the bat that I find intriguing about this vehicle. The first is it's not a crossover, uh, which is which is nice. It's a actually a car, and it targets a very specific segment of the EV market, and that's the same segment of people who are interested in the Tesla Model Three. So there's a in a world where crossovers and SUVs are everything, in the electric world, there is a subset of people who are actually interested in sort of small hatchbacky like cars, and they're buying a fair number of Model 3s, and now they have the Polestar 2 to kind of go alongside that. And kind of maybe almost squeezing into the same segment, Sammy, is the Mustang Mach E, which right. is which is larger and I think more SUV-ish than either of those other automobiles. So it's it's kind of an outlier. But this is a new slice of the automotive market. So um, the Polestar is built by Volvo, sort of, in the same way that Volvo is built by Geely, which is their corporate overlords in China. So right. it's it's a team effort. And part of the uh, Polestar, I believe, is sourced directly from the XC40 Recharge. Am I right, Sammy? Yeah, I believe so. It's almost the same powertrain, I think. Yeah, so we I drove that back in, I want to say February, it might have been March, and it was really cold out, and uh, the issues I had with the Polestar, sorry, the, the XC40 Recharge, which uses the same general platform, was the cold really killed the mileage, and the vehicle also has a fairly low um, range because it's, it's larger and heavier. Mm-hmm. Because of it, it's it's essentially an SUV, right? So with the Polestar, I had it in warm weather, and it's also somewhat lighter. So instead of having a 208 miles of range, you have 233, which is pretty decent. I mean, it's not a huge difference. Like 10% more. That's not bad. Yeah, and also in the warm weather, I found it to be very accurate. Uh, this is one okay. of the EVs I've driven where the range matched what I expected based on the battery charge. So when about 35% of the battery had been used, I had about 35% range cut off the, the figure I'd been given originally, which is, okay. I know that sounds kind of obtuse to say, but sometimes you drive a battery powered car and you use half the battery and you only have like 35% of the range left. And it it can be weird, and it doesn't always make sense. And I appreciate when Polestar, a company like Polestar, makes the effort to really communicate your actual range and make it match your expectations based on the charge level. Yeah, some vehicles are really like conservative. They want to warn you about losing your, about being stuck somewhere or stranded somewhere without a charger. And other ones are a little bit more realistic and and treat you like a like a grown up driving an electric car. Yeah, that you know the limitations of the vehicle, right? You don't have all this phantom range that just appears in the last like ten miles where yeah. you can drive ten miles for fifty miles. You know, <laughs> that's that's not. I, I like you said, treat me like an adult. Uh, but the other cool thing about the the Polestar 2 is that that drivetrain from the XC40 Recharge, it's 402 horsepower and 487 pound-feet of torque. It's a dual-motor setup. So for the first model year, 2021, all of the Polestar 2s come in what they're calling a launch edition. 
Mm-hmm. And it is, it's not fully equipped, but in terms of horsepower and drivetrain, it's the best model you can get. Uh, there will be a front-wheel drive model that slices that number in half for 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you'll get 201 horsepower. But this is a seriously quick vehicle. It goes 0 to 60 in 4.1 seconds, and I believe it'll do the quarter mile in like the high 12s, which is totally insane for a car that doesn't look like it's a sports car at all. Right. Um, I want to go back to the range thing real quick and the XC40. I remember you being really frustrated with the XC40 because the only way it described its range to you was in percentage and not in actual miles or or kilometers. Yeah, that's so I, I you know, these are two different companies and it's they're being presented as two different companies, so it's it I don't want to do Polestar too okay, much fine. of a disservice by comparing it to a car that's not gonna be in the same showroom and doesn't have the same badge and whatnot. But like spec wise and platform wise, they're they're siblings. Yeah, they are they are siblings. You know, it, it's in the same way that like uh, a Lexus and a Toyota can be siblings. It's still and I think it's even more divorced than that because again, they're not share, really sharing showroom space. Uh the 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 obviously I like the fact that it had uh, kilometers and miles of range versus just battery percentage, but um, there's there's something else about the vehicle that I found. That, you know, the drivetrain was great if you wanted to go fast in a straight line. I mean, obviously that's the main thrill. You get used to it fairly quickly. With uh, it's it's like I, I was talking to a friend the other day who was talking about with horsepower. You can get used to any amount of horsepower, right? Like if you have a thousand horsepower car, it's really really cool for like the first two weeks. And then after that, just everything happens so quick all the time, you kind of expect it. And right. EV driving is very similar. Like, the instant on torque is enthralling for the first 500 miles. And then you're kind of like, okay, you know, what else does this car have to offer me? And you start to look into the, the dynamics and the power delivery and stuff. With the uh, Polestar 2, I, I remember I messaged you right after I picked it up because it has a one-pedal driving feature that I mm-hmm. found to be just a little bit over the top. Do you, do you know what I'm referring to? I do, and I, I don't remember it being uncomfortable in the Polestar, but I know that you told me to stop comparing it to the XC40, but the XC40 I felt uncomfortable in. Like, it was, uh, like, I couldn't, it made me look like an idiot when I was trying to park it. Like, it kept, like, halting when I was just trying to coast into a spot or something. So the, the issue I had was, the, there's three settings for, the, so one pedal driving, for those who aren't familiar with an EV, it's designed to help you recharge the vehicle on the fly by regenerative braking. So every time you take your foot off the accelerator, it applies the, the brakes and slows you down. And usually there's like multiple levels of that. You can choose on your own how aggressive you want the system to be. The Volvo is, sorry, the Volvo, the Polestar is kind of weird because it has three settings, but it has like normal, moderate, and off. And normal is really not normal. It is enough to snap your neck. And I, it sounds like that's just the kind of thing journalists say because it's an easy turn of phrase. But driving this car, at the end of the first day, my neck muscles were sore because I was trying to figure out how to properly, I guess, deal with the abruptness of the one-pedal driving system. I eventually right. ended up turning it to the moderate setting, and it was okay. It was easier to mo- modulate with my foot. But in the normal setting, it was, it was virtually undrivable. It was really a whiplash effect every time I took my foot off the pedal. Interesting. Um, can you talk to me again about the driving dynamics, though? I mean, you said that it has the straight line acceleration of, you know, uh, like a pretty, pretty speedy sport, sports car. Oh, yeah. But 
I mean, I found it to be a little heavy, but it did have... My model had, like, this performance package that had some pretty impressive tires on it and amazing brakes. I don't know if your model has the same features, so I was curious as to whether or not the car felt um, at all exciting to drive um, beyond going in a straight line. So it did... My, my vehicle did not have the performance package. Uh, the vehicle that I had, I believe, was around $60,000 uh, as delivered. Mm-hmm. And um, it the performance package gets you, I think, Brembo brakes and the tires that you mentioned, as well as uh, those those Olin shock absorbers, right? Yes, those yeah. manually adjustable suspensions. Yeah, so, which is something that no one at this price point should ever have to should never have to get out of your car and manually adjust shock absorbers on a sixty thousand dollar luxury car. Personal right. opinion. So I didn't miss any of that stuff. I didn't find the vehicle to be all that. I, it's not super engaging to drive. I mean, the handling was fine. Uh, it it wasn't the kind of car where I was excited to drive it. It wasn't the kind of car that I really made a strong connection with driving. I also found it to be fairly loud on the highway. I mean, these are the sounds of the tires, the sounds of bumping over rough pavement, the sounds of the wind. This is stuff that you often gets masked by the sound of an engine. When you're in an EV, people talk about how it's silent driving, but it really isn't. You just hear more of the environment. And I found that the Polestar let in a lot of those environmental sounds. Is it like like concerning environmental sounds? Like you didn't like these noises? Well, it does. It's not a super peaceful cabin. That's for sure. No peace in the cabin. <laughs> no peace in the cabin. But uh, the the other thing I wanted to talk about as being truly disappointing with this car was the interior. Are you sure it's not the name? I don't have a problem with. Well, what do you what do you have a problem with? Like Polestar, like, you don't like that? No, but the model name being two. It's it's Tesla makes the Model Three Volvo. But it's called the Model something. Right? Polestar like has to the... make the two. I mean, that's just how the the cookie crumbles. I don't. It doesn't add up it's I'm something not something's not because you're like yo i've got the two and you're like what the heck no one in mean? the like, history of the world has said yo i've got the two okay well you know which car is yours it's the two right like it doesn't make any sense i think you just point at it and be like that one that one's that mine. one <laughs> it's a, well it's not a you know it's it's good that you mentioned that because it's not really a standout in terms of styling it's it's fairly conservative but i did have people stop while i was driving and ask me what it was like roll down their windows and specifically ask because it, it's not like an extroverted kind of design but it doesn't really look like a volvo it has its own language so people can't it's pretty handsome i think people will notice it it's surprising how much people notice like new cars right well, some cars, but I, I this this one wasn't even painted. I don't think you can get it in a color. This one was painted kind of like a slate grayish white, and yeah. uh, it doesn't stand out, but people were still interested in it. So that's kind of a win for Polestar, I think, especially since people don't know what the Polestar badge is. Those so, two triangles yeah, or, no, or arrows pointing at each other? Yeah, no one can really make that out, so it, they're still building brand recognition, I think. Okay, but, tell, me, tell me what you really didn't like about this car. So... The interior of the car does not at all match what I would expect from a sixty thousand dollar vehicle. Uh, the so, like it. What do you expect at that level? Because it it that's like like better than a sports sedan in terms of that price uh, in terms of that price point. Like a high end sports sedan, and we're expecting you know decent finishes, good materials, stuff like that. Right? I ex- I expect nice materials. I expect detail in the mm-hmm. interior. And uh, I got neither of those things with this car. Um, Volvo goes heavy. Sorry, Volvo. I keep saying that. 
Polestar goes heavy on recycled materials inside the cabin of this vehicle. And I don't know if anyone out there remembers what the early, early Priuses were like, where they had these kind of, it was like a fabric on the doors and other surfaces that had these, I want to say pores in them. And Mm -hmm. over time, like dirt and gunk and stuff, and even like rubbing your arm on it, you'd like leave dry skin behind. And it was just... Not a pleasant kind of uh, material to touch. So a lot of the Polestar's interior is made of a similar type of recycled material. And the center console... Which is bad for people who molt in the car. Yeah, but it's also bad if, like, you're touching the center console where the edge of the material wraps into the plastic. It feels sharp. It feels rough. Oh, and so it's I, not, like, adhered properly to the rest of the... No, I don't even think it's a question of that. Ma- I think it's just, Yeah, I think it's just the material. The edge of it is just sharp. And that doesn't say luxury to me. That says $40,000 car at this the most. This is why people dislike recycling, because it results in really harsh plastics that cut you up. If we had no recycling, this is science, people. the interior of this car would be made entirely of wood, and it would <laughs> yes. be super soft and smooth to the, to the touch. No splinters? No splinters because of proper varnishing, Sammy. If there's one thing the Swedes know how to do, it's varnish. Although I would admit, like, you know... Getting a splinter with your car is definitely a type of engagement that people have been pining for, right? Like, I, I guess. I mean, I have a wood-paneled car myself, and I, it's yet to give me a splinter, but give it time. <laughs> <laughs> give it time, yeah. You need to get a little bit more intimate with that thing. Okay, so the the materials inside this Polestar are just like... It's, just, it's, just, it's a down... It's a it's a low light, right? It's drab. You have a blank-looking blank, blank looking dash with uh, a big center screen and a digital gauge cluster, and there's just nothing really to attract the eye or to engage the eye or keep you interested when you're looking at it. And that but kind have of, you seen a Model 3? Like, those aren't particularly attractive interiors no, either. No, they're, they're not, but the Model 3 is $10,000 cheaper. Aha. And Got it has there. 120 miles more range, even at the lowest range model, I think. Okay, so we should the, the the Model Three still has a lot to to boast about. Yeah, sorry, the long range is 120 miles more, but even the base Tesla Model Three, which is only rear wheel drive, unlike this all wheel drive Polestar, it, it it still does better. Uh, the other thing about the interior that is disappointing is, and I, we had this with the XC40 Recharge, but not quite as bad. The they're using Android, and and not Android Auto, which is something we're familiar with from our smartphones, but it's an Android operating system for automobiles. Yep, And that controls almost every function on the vehicle. It's certainly all the infotainment stuff. You get apps like um, Google Maps and Spotify and, you know, Stitcher and all sorts of stuff that you can install mm-hmm. on the car. What's weird, though, is if you go through the list, they have – Volvo has a list of Volvo. I can't stop doing it, Sammy. I keep saying Volvo. That's okay. Uh, Polestar has a list of – We'll just blank it out and you'll be like – Well, uh, Polestar, like that. Mr. Black. Mr. Black. It'll be, uh, they have a list of suggested apps. And on that list, there was Brony Radio. What is Brony Radio? Is that some sort of like like outdoorsman style? Like, what does that mean? So let's, if you're a huge fan of My Little Pony... And I mean modern. Oh, bronies! Yes, My Little Pony, oh, modern I'm an My idiot. Little Pony. So <laughs> I can't believe I didn't pick that up. Why would that be in a car's infotainment system? Why would that be on the Polestar suggested lips of, list of apps for the Polestar? It's on like they, they have a curated list of what you might want to install in your Polestar. Brony Radio is okay. right there. Shout out so to they've... all the bronies who are listening. This is not to diss you. I just don't see the link between brony culture and Polestar culture. Well, I mean, Polestar clearly sees it. And uh, they probably, you know what? Probably there's some percentage of, bro- uh, of Polestar owners who are uh, My Little Pony fans. I mean, it's, they, that, 
Un- just, they had to have done their research. It is undeniable that that is a fact. I want to talk about this Android Automotive OS, which actually concerns me, despite, you know, I, I mean, I try to be as, uh, as open-minded when it comes to the technology in our cabins. Um, and I do like Android Auto and Apple CarPlay, but Android Automotive OS is a different thing altogether. It's something that you need to have an account for. You'd have to log into your car in order to get access to those apps and some of the features in those apps, uh, integration or whatnot. And I don't think that's going to be warmly received by everybody. It seems like an, another thing that I'll probably forget a password to or will be concerned about using my personal account on in my car, right? Yeah, you have to have a Google account, basically, if you want to fully access the features of your vehicle. And that means that you have to have a data connection at all times if you want to access these features. Neither of these situations are ideal. I mean, I, I think I, I was thinking about it like this. If I was buying a used car from 2003 and I bought that car and I turned it on and it asked me to enter my Yahoo credentials, I feel like that would be – that. that's kind of a, a, a preview of what this technology will feel like 10 years from now. You know, when, we're we'll, all, when we've all grown up past our current Gmail. Yeah, uh, when, when you know, you, you tie your vehicle to technology that might not last forever. And oh, come on! But Gmail's been around forever. Like Google has been around now for a and long, Yahoo long time. And Yahoo was around for a long time too. And no one's using it now. No one's using IBM. It's, it's these things are ephemeral. Uh, it's it's a third party solution that I don't think needs to be there. The data tracking aspects of it are also uncomfortable for a lot of people. And then there's the fact that I tried to use maps and it just crashed and gave me a blank screen. And the and even turning the car on and off didn't fix that. I had to log out of the account that was logged into the car and then log back in to get Lovely. it to work. Wouldn't you love to do that while you're lost somewhere where you don't want to be and you need to just get the map to go home? Like- yeah. <laughs> It's, oh, hold on. Let me just log in and out. What was my password again? Do I even have And what if here? you can't access your brony radio in the middle of the night and that's the only thing it's going to get you home safely? And the, you know, it's a storm. The rain is coming down. You just want some brony tunes, man. And you can't even get that because you forgot your Google password or Google's out of business now. <laughs> yes. You know, like Google Plus and Hangouts. And Bro- all the yeah, see? Pictures it, that disappeared from Google. Brony culture um, survived all of that. <laughs> Um, I need to talk to you about how this system is not just reserved for Volvo and Polestar. It's going to be coming to other automakers. And I believe Ford, for example, has a plan to integrate uh, Android Automotive OS in some way to their future vehicles. And I'm, I just don't know how I'm going to feel about that. I, I mean, I know how I, I know feel about it. No, thank you. Yeah. I know people who just have no interest in, in getting a new account just for an, a car let alone a new Google account, who are skeptical of Google in some ways. And this just won't – this might deter people from buying a car. And I know that when I first talked about it when we got the Polestar, there were some uh, emails that we received that agreed with this point that said they wouldn't dare get a car that has Google integration uh, to that deep of a level. It feels so completely unnecessary. Uh, there's, there's really no reason for it. There's nothing that can't be done in a proprietary fashion or – I mean, if you're going to offer these kinds of features, don't require the login. Yeah. You know, I don't know if the Google ecosystem it should be a standalone, like a a base version of the of the software. Right? I'm I'm wondering if Volvo and Pulsar dealerships are going to and Ford, I guess, are going to offer you know at the dealership when you buy it to create an account that's just for the car. But then you have to wonder how secure is that account and. It, can people hack your account? Can people do weird stuff to your car? Can people steal your data? It just opens up a whole bunch of doors also in terms of reliability and updates. Like what happens when this 
updates the system and your vehicle doesn't get the system and then you suddenly have to go to a dealership and your your car is down because the infotainment system doesn't work and that takes out a whole bunch of other systems. It's, it's a level well, of complexity that's unnecessary. Well, we should be clear though that unlike a Model 3, there are features of the vehicle that don't require the infotainment system. Like you can still use the wipers and stuff like that. Yeah, but I don't think you can use things like climate control and whatnot. Like okay. I, it was, it was, it was unclear to me because uh, you, when you're logged out, some of the functionality still appears and you can use it, but not all of it. So again, okay. how much of the car can I use and when can I use it? It's it's unclear, and I just I just don't see a need for this level of complexity. All right, anything else you want to talk about here with this uh, Polestar? I think that at the price, the car is going to have a hard time competing with luxury cars because of the interior and the feature set. I think mm-hmm. that the drivetrain is very competitive. I think the styling on the outside is nice. And uh, I think it's a great first effort. I, this is the first EV from Polestar because the Polestar 1 was a hybrid. Right. So this is the first all-battery car they've done. And in, in that sense, it's mission accomplished. But, you know, they're, at this price point, you're kind of going up against vehicles like the Audi e-tron, which mm-hmm. is the same price, roughly the same size. And, yeah, it's kind of a crossover, but you get a no-compromise interior. Right, so it, right. What, you what, do get a far more fancier interior, but there's a lot of touchscreens going on in that e-tron. <laughs> yeah, but but you are getting a car that feels like it's worth sixty five thousand. Right. Um, to me, it seems like it's going to appeal to early adopters the most, um, and I feel like that market has already been tapped out by Tesla buyers. Yeah, because right. it, it's a cult, right? If you're going to pull people away from the Model Three, that's a very strong cult movement. And to do that, you're going to have to have a product that's going to be intriguing enough to attract their attention. I don't think – I think that a lot of the um, Volvo is – sorry, the Polestar is very appealing. But it doesn't have the wow factor of the Model 3 in terms of range. Uh, it's probably as fast, but the interior really lets it down. I'm confused about what's going to happen in the future. If I wanted a high-performance version of the Polestar 2 – Will that also be called the Polestar? Like, will that be tuned by Polestar or something? Will that be Polestar to Polestar? Like, I don't know what's going to happen. Polestar to Polestar? That sounds like a band. <laughs> that does sound like a band. Um, okay, I want to talk about the car that I've been driving recently, and I also don't want to talk about it. Do you mind? Just, just help me get through this because... Just make your choice and I'll support you. <laughs> we're talking about a car that I don't think has ever been discussed on the podcast before. Can you guess what it is? Does it start with a G and end with a, end with a C? And there's an M in between those two letters. So it's a GMC Terrain. And um, now, you know, you've probably heard us talk on the podcast of, uh, of the test vehicles that we drive. And they're usually really well-equipped versions of or examples <laughs> of those vehicles. This GMC Terrain that I have was not one of those. In fact, it was a almost base-level vehicle, an SLE trim. And I have to admit, even even when I was taking that into con- into consideration, we're talking about a car that costs um, around thirty one thousand dollars, and still was not impressive um, in, in any way, especially at that price point. But see, I don't. I like it sometimes when I get base models in because we're so often driving the fully featured cars that we don't always necessarily get to get to experience what most people buy. Right. And I think that's okay. that's that's understandable. I believe I agree with you on that. And I've driven plenty of base Corollas and and uh, CRVs and yeah, stuff. Toyota like that. is very good at putting base vehicles in the fleet. I actually once got a Yaris that had no air conditioning, 
and it was a Yaris hatchback, so it had a lot of glass in it, and it was the hottest week in Montreal. This must have been, I want to say, 2015 oh, or 2014, maybe even before that. And uh, I just had to sit it all week. There's no way to drive it. It was it was like baking alive every time I was inside of it. <laughs> and I've also driven, you know, base level Subarus. I think they also do a pretty good job of showcasing what their cars are like at lower trim levels. However, when you drive this GMC, and again, this is an SLE all-wheel drive version of the uh, of the vehicle. There is a front-wheel drive version of the car. Um, you will notice that there are a couple of things that are missing right off the bat. First of all, no power lift gate. There's no um, um, adaptive cruise control, no blind spot monitoring. Um, and, and I find that these features have become so prevalent, so common, um, that to omit them feels like you're you're doing yourself a disservice in that marketing you know on that kind of checkbox what, what was the price point for this through. car again 31000 okay that's before in any other options and uh, delivery fees okay no well, i agree with you it is it is unusual you know the thing is i can live without a power lift gate because it's not a very big vehicle and i'm 5758 so it's i can reach it I understand that that would be a problem for some people, though. Uh, for safety gear, I assume I can add that with a package? Uh, yeah, uh, another package, a safety plus package or something like that. Okay, so it's, so it's available. It is available. Um, and then, of course, there's a fully loaded Denali all-wheel drive version of this car, which costs, like, close to 40 grand. Um, but, you know, it's, it's not just, like, these little safety features that, like, let me down. It's the overall design, the driving feel, the interior, just everything kind of combines to make a really bland, uh, anonymous and forgettable car. Something that, that I really dreaded talking about and, and, and writing about and then driving sometimes as well. It just did not feel competitive in any, in any way. There so I drove, maybe, I drove this vehicle in 2017. Yep. I, I checked my files when they launched it, and that's the only time I've driven it since that – in that whole interim. So, like, four years now. Uh, it was actually just before we first started the podcast. So, when you talk about the uh, terrain of, uh, of earlier on in this generation and the Equinox that is closely related to it, um, G- GM used to offer a two-liter turbocharged engine, which was actually pretty cool. They don't do that anymore. It's just a 1.5-liter turbo four. That makes 170 horsepower and 203 pound-feet of torque. So nothing, you know, super impressive in that regard. But it is paired to a nine-speed automatic. And this is probably the best part about the car, this transmission, this powertrain. It's very smooth. It surprised me at how quickly it got up to speed in terms of those, when you have that output to deal with. Um, And it might be the only, you know average or maybe above average component in the vehicle it was just the powertrain felt just right um and the fuel economy was pretty good as well so what's it like inside though in terms of room like is this something you could put a family inside of or is this really a couple's kind of suv um yeah you can put a family inside of it um but i i still found myself no you know what I need to say maybe a growing family. I, I would say is the best way to say it. Um, a young family might be the best way. Sorry to say it. Kids will will definitely be comfortable back there, but definitely not adults or or taller teens or anything like that. They'll okay. they won't find those rear seats very comfortable. Um, the seats itself, cloth. We have cloth in here. They're trimmed with like uh, really ugly orange stitching. Wow. The materials within the within the dash and uh, and and door panels are made of that really ugly rough feeling um you know 
plastic, hard plastic. It feels like a you know the outside of a cooler, like the like, same texture of like a an older GM product, right? Yes, and it, this is what the vehicle truly felt like. And then all of the controls, the knobs felt so flimsy and, and rickety. And then it's got those that weird push push button um, transmission in the center dash or the center of the dash. I remember that well. Completely unnecessary too. So. If you were not going to buy the terrain, what would you be buying instead? Like, what is this up against that really kind of throws it in stark relief? Man, the new Mitsubishi Outlander is better than this, right? Like, the new Nissan Rogue is a million times better than this. The worst products in this segment, the ones that I I tell people to watch out for, let's say the RAV4, that's better than this. You're just throwing shade on the RAV4 every chance you get. RAV4, worst crossover you can buy, Sammy Hatch. The RAV4 RAV4 is... A very good average product in the segment, and okay. it's going to last forever. This is better than th- this is worse than that, uh, and noticeably so. But it's also very Forrester. old. I mean, this is a, a four-year-old vehicle at this point. Okay, there's supposed to be an update sometime soon, right? There was supposed to be an update last year, but the pandemic um, hit the GM situation hard in some way or another. Uh, the supply chain obviously got impacted, and uh, basically all of these complaints that we have about it, that I have about it, which is that the interior is kind of dated, there's not a lot of technology or features, um, all of that is being rectified. There's going to even be like a head-up display, there's going to be a new exterior design, and there's also going to be a new trim level called the AT4, which is supposed to be some sort of off-road oriented um, setup. And if, any, if anyone's seen the new um, Acadia, AT4. It's a pretty cool looking version of the Acadia. Can, can I just say I would listen to a podcast called The GM Situation. <laughs> the GM Situation. Yeah. You would. Is that our next? I, is that our next uh, venture here? Should that, we get a couple of of guys? Uh, I don't think we could afford GM? the licensing fees. I mean, the the unnamed part was really expensive <laughs> enough, and adding GM to the equation is not something we can bear. Wait, so true. you know you're pretty down on this on this truck. Uh, my but question... there is a bright spot in the future. I, I mean, I think okay. there should be a, there should this refresh should help make it competitive. But again, I don't know if it's enough to make it like sit in the top tier of this segment. My follow up to the bright spot is with knowing that there's a better vehicle coming. If someone could get a really good deal on last year inventory, would you say that's an okay thing to do, or do you think it's absolutely you need to wait and and just don't consider this at all? Yeah, it needs to be a significant discount. And I'm not, I, I mean, not just like one or two thousand bucks. Like, it needs to be a serious discount. Like, you're talking $10,000. Yeah, if, if you could swing a $10,000 discount, yeah, I think that'd be worth it. So, that'd you, you want, deal. ideally in your world, you want a GMC <laughs> terrain that's priced like a Nissan Kicks. <laughs> yes, essentially. Okay. I, I had more fun in the Kicks. The Kicks impressed me more with even its features and its design, and it's like, the, the way that it kind of stands out, um, just overall experience in this vehicle was was awful, like truly awful. And I don't that does not happen often. There's I, I think you and I have both said that, you know, many cars in the market right now are pretty good. Yeah, this is one of them that I would not even I would not I would tell people to avoid. And the Equinox, do you feel the same way? But the Equinox is supposed to be more affordable. And the last time I drove the Equinox, it had that two-liter turbo four, which was pretty cool. Okay. But I don't know if that's still off. I don't think that's offered anymore. So, you know, there goes that argument. A- any final thoughts on the terrain? No, please. Let's stop talking about this. <laughs> okay. There's one more thing I wanted to talk about this week. 
And that is, we came across a really intriguing deal that was being published on the internet by a Nissan dealer in Springfield, Virginia. They were offering a two-year lease on a, on a Nissan Leaf, an electric car, a 10,000-mile lease for 99 cents. Hey, that's not bad. That's, Does this include, is this the normal Leaf or the, like, Leaf Plus? Okay, first of all, I want to point out that you're asking about a – you're looking at a gift <laughs> lease deal in the mouth by, like, okay, wait a minute. Before I give you less than a dollar, <laughs> I need to know if it's the good Leaf or the less good Leaf. <laughs> Sorry. And it's also a dollar a, a day? I think it's a dollar a month dollar a month it's unclear uh How it's it's not, unclear exactly but you know sammy not pick this up that makes no sense you have to buy this you're focusing on the wrong you're focusing on the wrong part of why this is a strange deal there's a big catch that comes with this 99 cent lease for the nissan leaf and that is you have to buy a nissan titan pickup in order to get it wait what yeah so oh, sorry what year titan pickup like do they you still have to have buy a brand Titan? new Titan oh, man. to get your 99 cent lease. So you have to spend at least – and can I lease that Titan? Are there- <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> lease the Titan and then, and then lease the Leaf? Yeah. Uh, I, that is – it is honestly unclear as to whether you can do that. That is the hardest – that was the hardest pivot I've ever heard in a, in a good news story I've ever, I've ever heard or read. Like – in order to get the wicked deal, you have to get what is possibly the worst deal in pickup trucks. <laughs> it's like, it's like um, you know, we're going to give you $1 million, but we're also going to imprison your family for the decade. Are you okay? With- Some people will say yes to this deal, but most people probably won't. What's interesting, too, is on a lease deal with an EV, a lot of times the dealership gets the federal tax credits. Oh. And that's what's happening here, too. Oh, no. So and I'm reading deeper into the deal now. You can get a 2021 or a 2020 Titan, but the lease is 99 cents down with no other fees for the Leaf. And there's no monthly fees. So it's, okay. a, pretty, it's a pretty hardcore deal. But it, it got me thinking. Uh, I need to wrap my head around this. What are you talking about? So the Leaf, okay. is, a, the Leaf is a pretty good vehicle. The Titan is not so good. So I started thinking about other car companies that had less than attractive vehicles out there. And what kind of lease deals they would need to offer in order to get those vehicles off the lot. So, like, Sammy, we were just talking about the terrain. If, if, if you ha- were, were to be tempted to buy a terrain, what would the lease deal have to be on another GMC or GM product? So you would, you would have to get a, a terrain for a dollar. No, no, no. You buy a full price terrain, but oh, a cool man. lease deal comes with it. What's your 99 lease deal, 99 cent lease deal that convinces you to buy a terrain? I don't, I don't know. I'd have to say um, a Canyon AT4 or something like that. Wow, that's <laughs> – you really aimed low there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. I mean a Yukon Denali. That's what I mean. Okay. Wow. All right. All right. You drive a hard bargain, but I can see that. So what if uh, – <laughs> I thought you would have to buy the dud at full price and get the no 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 because no one's no the, yeah you are buying the dud at full price aka oh, yeah, the, terrain. the terrain. I'm so confused. So, I don't know how bargains work anymore. Yo, you're you're, you're totally you're all topsy turvy on the. Okay, the let me try again. Let me try again. Hold on, let me try again. Okay, so you have to buy a um, Toyota CHR in order to get a Supra for a dollar. Well, that's that's not a bad deal. What about a, a Fiat 500X? 
Oh no, no, five hundred L. Five hundred L? Okay. Wait, well they're both pretty horrible. So <laughs> what what do you get what do you get for your dollar to convince you to buy that? Easily. One two, a one two four a barth, right? No, that, no 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 thank you. Not doing what? I'm passing on that deal. The Fiat? No deal? I'm no it would have to be a, an Alpha Four C. Oh yeah. Well an Alpha and a Fiat aren't in the same showroom, are they? Well they are until Fiat goes bankrupt. <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were saved by another company of some kind. No, French it's hard. One. It's hard to tell whose hands in whose pockets right now. <laughs> okay, okay. So, who else do we have? We have in order for you to get a a a wicked deal on a Jeep Trackhawk, you would have to deal with a full priced Jeep Renegade tra- tra- Trailhawk, like the most expensive version of the Renegade. I don't know. What That's about- a good deal. What 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 would take what would convince you from the Honda lineup to buy a full priced, uh, not CRV? What's the little one? HRV. The HRV, which is I think my least favorite Honda product. What would be your ninety nine cent lease to convince you to get that? Oh, that's a tough call. A Type R, I guess. That let's stay away from aspirational cars. Like the Leaf, this Leaf deal, it's not like you're getting a 370Z, right? Okay, so I don't know a Passport. Ooh, really? The Passport actually kind of like appeals to me sometimes. What about like a, an Accord two-liter turbo or a Ridgeline? <laughs> oh, slow down there. <laughs> Is that two duds in the same deal? I don't know. <laughs> what's the third? What's the third lease? It's a, it's a uh, insight. It, oh, it's clarity. <laughs> oh man, <laughs> I like the clarity though, so I might, I might do that. I, w- okay. I, yeah, maybe. In a world where I need both an HRV and an insight, or sorry, a, a clarity, mm-hmm. uh, I might go for that deal. Okay, but I want to talk a little bit more about this deal, and I know that we talk about some electric cars a little too often. I, I know we've gotten some emails from some people, but electric cars tank in resale value so quickly that buying a used EV seems to be like a no-brainer. Once you get over the you know fear factor of it potentially having reduced range due, due to being a worn-out battery. So you really do have to take a look at those kind of uh, situations when it comes to buying it, an electric car and not leasing one, too. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, Remember, Sammy, there used um, to be like Fiat 500Es for like pennies. Like it felt like nothing. I think they were down to like $6,500. But... but- Wicked. Yeah, they are. I've driven one, and they're a lot of fun. They had like four hundred pound feet of torque. I think or something, <laughs> something crazy like that. It's sort of the spark. Hold on. So you're saying that this car had comparable torque to the Polestar Two you were just talking about? Yeah, but it's like single motor torque. It's a little different. But okay. the the I, I believe I can't remember if it was the Fiat 500e that had that much torque, or if it was the Spark EV because the they Spark were Spark EV had like four hundred and twenty. Yeah, so they were they were very powerful vehicles. Uh, but it, it, they're different. You know, you drive them against a modern EV. And they really run out of top range really quickly. They're, they're not... <laughs> they feel like science experiments. They feel yeah. ridiculous. And the problem with the 500E is if you want to buy a used one, you kind of have to go to California because they were only sold in compliance states that required a certain number of emissions-free vehicles to be sold every year. So you couldn't – if you live in like Minnesota or you live in like South Carolina or something, it's just hard to find those vehicles because unless they've been imported from – uh, California or one of the other two or three states that had those requirements, you're just not gonna not gonna see them. Have I ever told you that? Like um, when I went to Jordan, I, I visit Jordan sometimes because my uh, wife's family's from there, and we we like to go and and visit and say hi. Uh, they have a a deal on like it, it. Sorry, there's a tax situation there where 
if you buy an electrified vehicle, it's almost like buying a car at half off. Like it's, it's unbelievable how expensive gas vehicles are over there. So when I'm driving around, occasionally I see cars that make no sense to me, like a Fiat 500e, and you can see the California HOV sticker on the side of it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is Jordan. What is that sticker good for? And That's it's hilarious. So strange. So all these people are just sending these $6,000 Fiat 500s to the Middle East and probably making some good money on it. Honestly, that's got to be the new business model for a name out of a podcast. It's like a secondary market EV shipping to other parts of the world. <laughs> so um, if, you, if you want to uh, go back in time and listen to an era before we had driven or just after we'd driven the terrain for the first time and didn't ever talk about it on the show, you can do that at unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. We've got... All of our previous episodes up there. You can also subscribe to the podcast. You'll want to do that because I'm talking about some cool cars next week. Yeah, and Sammy's, I mean, he he feels strongly enough about them to interrupt me. And um, (laughs) I'll just try to get back on track here. You can subscribe to the podcast on the website as well. Or you can just go to any of your favorite podcatchers. We're on the Apple, the Google, the Amazon, the Spotify, the CastBox, the Pocket Cast. Just type Unnamed Automotive Podcast. You'll find us. You can subscribe. And if you can, leave us a review. I mean, it really helps us improve our visibility to other people and get our podcast into the ears of more human beings. If you want to send us some more personalized uh, comments, you can get in touch with us very easily. You can reach out to us um, on social media. You can find Ben on Instagram. He's at Hunting Benjamin. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Sammy underscore ha, like you're laughing. Um, or you can send us an email the old-fashioned way. It's Benjamin at BenjaminHunting.com. Or, you know, you don't want to do all that stuff. You can just go to the website, unnamedautomotivepodcast.com. Um, and there's a contact form there. You fill it out, and just like that, it'll it'll land in our inbox. I also want to give a sh- a one more shout-out again to James and Scott, who sent us a donation on Ko-Fi. You can do that through ko-fi.com slash unnamed automotive podcast and ben what are we talking about next week next week we are going to be well i am going to be talking about uh a vehicle we're kind of saying a fond farewell to this year that's the 2021 volkswagen gti we're saying goodbye to the gti we're saying goodbye to this generation of gti sammy I'm not ready to say goodbye to the GTI. Well, you've got a week to get ready. Okay. And uh, I'll be talking about minivans because minivans have become surprisingly good um, in the past few years. I've got the Pacifica and the new Kia Carnival. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. And uh, this one more reminder, the Code 45 Kickstarter launches in just a couple days, June 1st. 8 a.m. code-45.com. Uh, I think you'll really enjoy the story and it, love to have your support. 